Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio B here with Pastor Nick Plummer. How's it going? Great to be here. Oh, it is great to be here. I'll tell you what, if you guys are here for the first time or if you're a longtime listener, either way, thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you haven't subscribed and rang the bell for notifications uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, if you're listening somewhere else besides YouTube, we really want to get YouTube going. So go ahead and like go there, subscribe. You can just search Christians with Torah on YouTube. It's That's really good. easy YouTube to find. Channel. It is. It's good. Uh, Facebook as well. It helps us if you share on social media uh, this podcast. Um, or if you're listening to it on Apple, uh, make sure you put in a review for us. Give it five stars and help us to get the word out. It really does a, a benefit for us. This week we're studying the Gospel of Matthew, which is always exciting. Um, many of you guys that have been listening for a long time know we've, we're Christians with Torah, right? So we, we're Christians, and we believe the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant to believers today. And we put an emphasis on Torah because nobody else does, right? So it's easy for us to say, hey, let's just go look at what's in the Torah. Um, and so we've done four years of covering the whole Torah every year. So we did the whole Torah cycle for four years in a row, and now we're in the Gospel of Matthew, and this week we're in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 15, and we're going to cover the first half, verses 1 through 20. So uh, the Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew, whose name means Gift of Jehovah, and he left his occupation of collecting taxes. Uh, Matthew is also known as Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Alpheus, Mark chapter 2, verse 14. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, uh, the Gospel of Matthew shows that Yeshua is a king. Shows that he's a king. Uh, Mark shows that he's, of course, a servant. Uh, Luke shows that he's a man. That's right. The Gospel of John shows that he is, of course, God. That's right. Deity. The deity. So we're going to have God's command or man's tradition is the question for uh, Matthew 15, as we start out of the gate here, verses 1 through 6, Ryan, if you want to kick that off. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, verses one and two of God's command versus man's tradition. This is a hot topic for the Hebrew roots, right? Because there's, what is there, like three camps in the Hebrew roots, right? On the one side, there's like all traditions are bad, especially those Jewish traditions, you know? Because yeah. we don't do those Jewish things, yeah. right? And then on the other side, there's, you know, hey, we basically just need to start practicing Judaism in its current form because well, that's what Yeshua would have done. He's a Jew, right? Right. And there's people like us. We're somewhere in the middle, right? Let's weigh it out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would say that there's a full spectrum <laughs> all the way it's through It's interesting, that, you, you know? know? I, I just don't want to sit here and think like, gosh, we're just beating up the Jewish leaders. Well, that's what I mean. To Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one side, you know? We have to look at the point that's being made, you know? Let's not look at it like we want to criticize Judaism, but... We want to look at it like, okay, this is what Jesus experienced with the religious leaders. You're, you're not suggesting that this book was written by Jews and that all these characters are Jews and that Jesus is Jewish. Yeah, absolutely. You're not suggesting that, are you? I, I am suggesting 
Well, all right, so God's commands are man's traditions. We're going to start by reading uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And it just says here, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the, tra- transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. This is interesting that the scribes and Pharisees were from Jerusalem and came all the way to the Galilee <laughs> to criticize Yeshua. Yeah, I it, thought that was a good point. Yeah, that you. so one of two things is going on here. Either these guys got a lot of time on their hands, you know, and they're just very zealous right. for the traditions of the elders, or uh, Yeshua's making a splash and the ripples are right. going all the way to Jerusalem and that they're getting a lot of news of, of Yeshua's ministry. Right. And so one of the things that we can learn... Uh, from Yeshua is to let the critics come to us. Yeah. Let them come to you. We don't have time for them. Yep. Some scribes and Pharisees came all the way from Jerusalem just to criticize Yeshua. That's interesting. And so over the centuries since Jews return, since the Jewish return from the Babylonian captivity, hundreds of religious traditions have been added to God's law, right? And so uh, there's definitely low-hanging fruit, and I, I know that when I've been in Hebrew circles now for a, a while, the, you know, almost a decade now, um, you know, people are, are real quick to pick on Jewish traditions, you know, this little thing here, oh, ha, 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 they don't do light switches, or oh, ha, 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 they have, you know, Sabbath settings on their ovens, yeah. or oh, ha, ha, Sabbath elevators, or oh, they pull the toilet paper ahead of time so they don't have to do it on Shabbat. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a crappy job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Uh, Uh, And I would say anything that anybody does with the right heart to serve and honor God uh, should be seen in just that way. You know, what are you doing for the Lord? You know, that's that's what I want to ask people. So um, I guess the overall point is this. Many traditions are not bad in and of themselves. Certain religious traditions can add richness and meaning to worship and to life. You know, that's right. I think of, um, you know, the lighting of the candles and the Sabbath service for uh, evenings, right? And praying and blessing your children and blessing your spouse and, and the guests that come to your home and sharing a meal and breaking bread together. I think that's a fantastic tradition that you should do that every week. You know, imagine a family coming together, sitting at the same table and blessing one another. What a, what an awful tradition, right? Those, right. That, that bondage, we I tell you. We talked about that, didn't we? So when we're talking about washing things and washing hands, the priests themselves were required to wash their hands and feet prior to performing their duties. And so the Pharisees, which is a a sect of Judaism at the time, remember there's many sects of Judaism, um, the Pharisees made this a matter of ceremonial purity. So all the time, right? And in their desire to meticulously avoid any possibility of being, uh, being or becoming unclean, they applied it to all Israelites. Now... That was Exodus thirty twenty one. I have a question for you, Pastor Nick. Do you think Jesus was saying that you shouldn't wash your hands before you eat? Well, you know, there is COVID nineteen protocol <laughs> now. They highly recommend that you wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, washing Even your hands more is, than the Pharisees is a good thing, right? Right. Okay, but it's not like something that God's saying you have to wash your hands. No. Or, or else. No. Right. Here come the fire and the brimstone. All right. So that's a good no. point. So, yeah, so there you go. Um, so what did Jesus say to them, right? It says, but he answered and said unto them, why do ye all transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So he's going to counterattack. This is a good Jewish strategy. With another tradition. No, no, no. This is a good Jewish strategy. It's the answering a question 
with a question. Right. You know, I really like picking up on the wisdom of the rabbis uh, as just a general rule because they do, man. They know how to answer a question with a question. And the question has the answer rolled up into it because whenever you run into somebody who is trying to argue against something that should be self-evident, because how do you, how do you argue for something that should be self-evident? We should know, oh yeah, this is good, this is bad, right? You shouldn't have to argue why it's good or bad because it's self-evident, you know? Right. And the people that don't know, you got to question that. So, but in his point here, he's asking this question with a question. And so he says, he makes it clear the distinction between the commandment of God and the Pharisaic tradition, which consisted of merely human pronouncements. So he's alerting them to the fact of, hey, you have a tradition here. He's calling them out. Well, I think that this is, uh, you know, just like God likes to use object lessons, this is Yeshua using an object lesson to teach. He's actually teaching that there's the commandment of God, which is good and pure and holy and righteous, right? And then there's the tradition of man. And when we get out of balance where we elevate the tradition of man above the commandment of God, right. we, get out, we get out of whack, right? That's true. The tradition should support. Right. Right? It should come alongside the commandment right. of God in order to help us not become so dogmatic and important right. that we transgress the commandment in order to keep the tradition. Right. So he's going to stir it up. He's going to stir it up. He's going to go after a tradition. So he says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Wow. And that's verse 4 in chapter 15. And so to honor your father and mother is the fifth commandment. You can find that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And in Exodus twenty-one seventeen, it says, And he that curseth or revileth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So yeah. it sounds like that this commandment is important to God. Sounds like the teenagers are going to be in trouble. <sighs> you know... Um, you have a teenager. I, I do. Christian just turned 13 this past Sunday. May I, the Lord be with you. I can't even understand that I am so old that I have a teenager as a child. It's just un- insane. I mean, I still feel like I'm mentally 13 sometimes. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Kid at heart. <laughs> the poor kid. Kid um, at heart. So, you know, obviously this is an important command. Honor your father and your mother. And we're going to get into the next verses, verses 5 and 6 here in chapter 15. He's going to call them out. And he's going to call them out. He's going to say, hey. Hey, you know, he's bringing a correction. Here's your tradition. So he says, but say, but ye say, right? Because he says, God says, right, honor your father and mother. But you say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition? Once again, commandments versus traditions. He's going to break it down for you, what, what they were practicing. He is. So I want to run through some bullet points here. Um, the word gift in the Greek is the word doron. Doron. And it means a present, especially a sacrifice or offering. It's like a korban, right? And so the gift um, was the practice of korban, literally offering. The word gift, yeah. Right, so we're using this in context. In King James, they translated whatever this Doran wrote in Greek is usually translated offering. Right. And so that's why it's a little confusing right. here in the text in King James. But it says, Anyone who made a korban vow was required to dedicate money to God's temple, and for some, that money, that, uh, that was money that would otherwise would have gone to support their parents. Now, we live in a very different society today than when they did back then. Right? Today... 
we talk about honoring father and mother and we think like, hey, don't curse your father and mother, do whatever they tell you to do, you know, honor their legacy, you know, speak kindly to them. But in context, I believe that this is talking about caring for your parents as they age, right? right? So there comes a point, especially in an agrarian society, where everybody's involved in some sort of agriculture or agricultural related affairs, and that that's how people provide for themselves that there comes a point where your parents get older and they really can't physically do as much as they used to. And so what does that mean? That means that you continue to feed them, you know, and help them and do all of those things until they, they age. Um, and there's a couple things that we have going against us today. We've flipped the script on how it works between parents and, and kids. Right. We're in a position today where we believe that parents should do uh, make good decisions and do well enough to for retirement to where they're actually blessing their children's until their death. Right. And then an inheritance comes. Whereas um, there's also the issue that parents are now living longer than they ever have and in worse health, right? So um, the medical system has begun you alive. to keep people alive with the lower quality of life lower quality of for life. longer. And because of this issue, it becomes more difficult to care for parents through the long term because they literally need like full-time care. Right. Whereas back then, parents just died, you know. Right. Um, which is which is a whole other issue and whole other situation. We today we live in separate houses, many times in separate cities. Families, for the most part, back then stuck together. Right. Um, lived in the same little area on the same plot of land. Um, can you imagine like living with your in-laws all the time? You know. Um, and so culturally, things were just different, right? And. Uh, I don't want to claim better or worse, but I would always say that God's way is always better than whatever other way we could come up with. Right. Right. So with all that being said, um, a korban within the Pharisaic tradition had become a religiously acceptable and convenient way to neglect parents and circumvent um, the responsibility an adult child had for their parents. Not good. Right. Now, Here's the other piece of this, and this is this is my understanding or my I'm going to read through the text and try to pull something out. Yeah, because he's getting to a main point here. Well, well, I'm trying to. There has to be some fringe benefit to the person making this vow or, or offering that they get either like street cred or they receive some um, entry um, into like a club of some sort. There has to be a reason because like if you have the choice between support your parents or give this money away as a burnt offering to the Lord. Um, it, it's, a, it's common sense we're going to give this to our parents, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to go towards the temple or the priest or whatever, but it's just beside the point. But It's above the tithe. But Right, of course. It's, it's above gift. the tithe. Right, right, right. This is right. an offering above and beyond. So, But what I'm wondering here is there had to be something that they get out of it or else why would they choose that uh, as a regular thing, you know? And he says, many people took the Corban vow uh, that took a cor- I'm sorry, many people who took the Corban vow were disregarding God's command to care for parents who were in need. And so what I'm saying is I think that this makes them part of like a club or gives them some sort of clout around their peers of doing this Corban vow that they would be willing to neglect their parents. I don't really, doesn't, doesn't make sense any other way to me. Um, because I, I find that when Jesus is calling somebody out on something it's it's usually about the intent of the heart he's not going to call them out for making a korban vow right he's going to call them out because of what they've neglected yeah right 
the commandment, not the tradition. Right, and because their heart is in the wrong place. Right. And they're making a bad decision because of it. So here we go. Discuss how we can become so religious that we can't seem to help others in need around us. Good point. You know, the tradition of that Corbin. Um, I just have two points here. Our family should come first, but we love God more than our family. Right. You know, because... Well, God requires a tithe. But so, like, yeah, so our family should come first, but we love God more than our family. So yeah. we're, not, we're not changing anything as far as the commandments go or whatever, but that's just something. Uh, number two, we can alienate other people because they don't believe what we believe. Oh, yeah, especially in the Hebrew roots. So it almost seems like you're like super religious by the Corbin thing. Yeah. If it's done properly, I think it's an okay tradition. If yeah, of course. If parents aren't in need or something. But he was just kind of calling them out that you would rather give this gift instead of helping your parents, which is a commandment. Right. So you're like, it's almost like you have your priorities mixed up. Well, and it's a picture of elevating a tradition above your parents, I above, think, above the commandment I of God. I think even in Timothy, it makes mention in one of the letters that Paul says, let the family take care of the widows, the family members. Yeah. If there are family members. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly where it's at, yeah. but I know that it's in there. He's talking about the, the caregiving of widows. The The family should be the first to respond to helping that widow. Yeah. It shouldn't be put on the church if it doesn't have to. Right. You know, it's funny. So uh, at the, the, I just came back from a conference, uh, industry conference, and, um, you know, there was some, some Jewish guys from New York, you know, and they've got their, you know, their payote and the hats. So, like, you know, you can pick them out of a crowd. It's not difficult and to find. And they're at the them. conference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're wow. there. So I'm always, you know, I always go and introduce myself and say yes. hi and talk you to them and stuff to. like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What joy. Oh, man, it's so good. And, you know, they, they want to recruit me. You know, they're always trying to, rec- these guys are, these guys are business guys. You know, they're there to do business. And, you know, it's also, I find that they're singularly focused. So one of the guys are really interested in talking to me about, like, faith-related matters. And the other guy's like, hey, we could talk about this at synagogue. Hey, you know, let's go inside and, and, and do some work, you know, make sure we're standing right outside the expo hall talking. And the one guy was fascinated, and the other guy's like, hey, I'm here, I'm here to do the business. Let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? A good story. It always oh, so good. So, um, anyways, it came up, they were ta- asking me about how many kids I have, because I asked him how many kids he has. He says, I got, I got uh, seven, I think he said, you know, a young guy, too. And uh, he asked me how many I had. I told him four. We talked about adoption and fostering. And so then the girl that was with him, the, the woman, she's also uh, Orthodox Jew. And she was like, oh, I've always wanted to meet a, a foster parent, <laughs> you know. So we started talking about Torah and widow and the orphan and all this stuff. You know what I mean? They were just, it's just so funny, you know, how, uh, you know, and then again, you know, the one guy kept wanting to talk or whatever. And actually the, the woman knew of uh, Ari Abramowitz and Jeremy Gimpel. The other guys were clueless. So I was trying to talk to them about, you know, those guys, they need to look them up, you know, we're talking about Israel. Oh, bro. I mean, I haven't talked to you about it. So that's, you know, it was good. That's stuff. a good story. You know, as we uh, develop the storyline here in Matthew 15 verses seven through nine, we're going to deal with hypocrites. Uh Oh, so I guess that means you say one thing and do another. But anyway, this is it's what the he great says. Pretenders. This is what he says. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Uh, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So he's going after them 
uh, like it was already foretold. So the word hypocrites is the Greek word Hippocrates, and it means an actor under an assumed character, stage player, i.e. figuratively a dissembler. It can also mean a pretender. So that's what he's coming after now, saying one thing and doing another. Uh, he's, now he wants to line up your heart to the action. So he's, he's calling them out on the heart issue. There is an expression, pay lip service to, and it means to express approval of or support for something without taking any significant action. It's kind of like, that's an interesting point, You know, too. we as, as Christians, we get criticized a lot for thoughts and prayers, you know? It's like, oh, your thoughts and prayers? Oh, thanks so much for your thoughts and prayers. Interesting. You know? The Pharisees knew a lot about God, but they didn't know God. You know, when we claim to honor God while our hearts are distant from him, or preoccupied with other things, our worship means nothing. Ouch. You know, he would go after the religious leaders even to the point of, hey, you know, where's your mercy? You know the commandments, but then where's your mercy? So I, I don't want to say that the Pharisees, you know, didn't know God at all, but I think they, they knew some. But if you really stop and look at the, the ability to give mercy to someone, uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. So even though King David had his moral failures, he was a man after God's own heart. Man, what a what an Acts interesting conversation it is about that. You know, even though King David had his moral failures, he was a man after God's own heart. And uh, Dr. Michael Heiser makes a very good point. He actually says that um, he wasn't an idolater. See, God really frowns on idolatry because the lesser Elohim want us to worship other gods. Right. And that's the downfall. That's where it gets. Yeah. That's why the golden calf incident was so bad, mm -hmm. as as what it what it entailed. Well, David um, never never uh, bowed the knee to Baal. Right. That's the the thing. He was yeah. always on God's team. He's always God's son. He always yeah. loved God. He was always after God's heart. So the Jews would put fences around the commandments of God, so you would never break the original commandment. Mm -hmm. God wants you to know His commandments and keep them. Right. I'm not here to disrespect Judaism. But there's so many laws for the Sabbath that aren't even scriptural. Oh, but I mean, it's even but, easy to do amongst the Hebrew roots. No, I know, but I'm just saying that I don't want this to sound like we're, we're disrespecting Judaism. Well, let me I, give you I an example that has nothing to do with Jews. How about that? That'll give you. That'll give you. Oh, a, I know. I'm just saying it's kind of funny how we fall into this because you have Christianity and you have right. Judaism. Oh yeah, there are two ideologies. I mean, you know, and it's like you know, I could see where you can just kind of go off on the Jews. Well, and, I once went to a Hebrew roots conference. Okay. And at this Hebrew Roots conference, um, it was for Shavuot. In the literature, right, the, the Gitra itinerary, and you get yourself, you sign up or register, it says, hey, call ahead and buy gift cards for the restaurant in the hotel so that on Shabbat, you don't have to, you know, exchange money or whatever on, on that day. And I was just like, it's like the point, like, whoosh, just right over their head. You know, like, do you understand what you just wrote in black and white and sent to everybody? Like, hey, if you don't want to spend, because the point is not to not spend money on Shabbat. That's not, first off, that command isn't in there. There's a reference in Isaiah for that. But in the Torah, it talks about not making anybody your servant, right? And so then the argument comes, so now somebody, because I go and I eat at a restaurant, now they're my servant. Am I responsible for them now for seven years? And then, you know, on the seventh no, year? That's a good point. What well, there's a whole... Somebody else is working. There's a whole... Right. There's a and whole bunch of you. stuff, right, involved in that. But it was beside the you point. You know what? But it, we, even in Hebrew Roots, do it, is my point. No, that, that so is a good... we could point at the Jews all day. That is a good point. You know, um, 
I mean, the, the thing is, like I said, he, you know, he's counterattacking them with the fact of, well, you're not washing your hands. Well, then you do this Corbin thing. But what yeah. about honoring your mother and father? So he's calling yeah. them out. And that's what actually is kind of happening here. Well, he's about um, to hammer the point home. So go ahead and hit this one, Matthew 15, verses 10 and 11, in regards to defilement. Yep. So, so, so far, right, they've come to him and called him out for his people not washing their hands. And he calls them out for an actual breach of commandment. Yeah. Right? So he says, look, you're picking on tradition, but you're not even following the commandment. So what difference does the tradition make? Right? You can't even keep the basics. But he's going to take it a, 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 to a deeper level Oh, that's, here we go. Here oh, we you go. want to wash your hands? Let's talk about defilement. <laughs> Let's talk about uncleanness. Yeah. I know. So verses 10 and 11, he says, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. And the word defileth here is koinu, and it means to make or consider profane, uh, ceremonially, uh, or to call common, defile, pollute, or unclean. So he's making a clear distinction, right? Right, he is. He's making a very clear distinction. So he's going to call them out. Now, this is a setup, right? He's setting them up. Cause he's to like, teach, yeah. Well, think about it. Cause, you know, but wait, because if you're religious, right? I mean, I guess I don't know that I consider myself super religious, but I'm I, religious. I, I, I would say this. I don't eat pork or shellfish. Why? Because God says it's unclean. Right. Does that make me religious? I don't know. You know, but Probably. I, I, I'm, I go out, it's right? Religion. Like I was at this thing, you know, you're out at restaurants and it's like, they're passing around like the gourmet pork rinds and you're like, no, I'm all set. I don't know. <laughs> I don't eat the gourmet pork I'm rinds. Good. Can you say trigonosis? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm all good. But you can think the Pharisees that are standing there listening to him say this, right? They're immediately listing off in their brains all the things that go into the mouth that would make somebody defiled, right? And this is what people do. They twist Yeshua's words to say that, oh, no, it's not unclean to eat pork now. Now you can have whatever pork you want, right? I mean, it's, it's this silliness that people do because he's making a point. And they miss the point, like we were just talking about, in order right. to, to make themselves feel like they're right. So, so he's, he's going to go deeper now. He did. So oh, who, you guys want to you, you wash your hands? Okay, well, let's go a little deeper. Yeah, so let's who did internal. the disciples say was offended at Yeshua's teaching? The Pharisees. That's right. So they're like, hey, man, you really just aggravated these guys, you know? And so, but Yeshua answers him and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So the Pharisees were blind to God's truth, and anyone who listened to their teaching would risk blindness as well. False leaders will be rooted up just like a plant, so like weeds, right? Boy, there's a lot of that today. Boy, is there. There sure is. You know what also is frustrating about this? You know, I love this saying, the blind leading the blind, right? I love little sayings that, are, that come from Yeshua, that he said out of his mouth when we say things. Because people will say that, and I'd be like, you know who said that? Jesus. <laughs> people are like, well, like, yeah, you got that from Jesus. He's the one that says, criticizes the blind leading the blind. But then the other thing is he says, and they fall into a ditch. Do you know that there's a ditch on both sides of the road? No. Put that one, you know. What does he say? The, the, they were making converts and making them worse than themselves. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. Discipleship on steroids. Absolutely. All right. So discuss why is it so important to have leaders that speak the truth and not false doctrines? 
Well, you can have shipwrecked faith. So there was a situation where somebody actually went from uh, from Christianity to Hebrew roots. And then they went from Hebrew roots into Judaism. Mm. And then from Judaism, they went into New Age. And from there, nothing. Yeah. Christianity, Hebrew roots, Judaism, New Age, no faith. Yeah. Shipwrecked faith. And to people that think that that's not uh, an easy path, to it's it's easy. I mean, what you just described is, is the path that people go when they, they end up... I would like to say that um, Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior is the religion you want. Um, it's the no religion. Personal. It's the no religion religion. He's it's the, the relationship. It's the relationship. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying that if you want to find out where you're at, do you know the person of Yeshua? Yeah. Well, and to your point right there, if you're following a leader that's teaching esoteric Gnostic ideology and every time that they're teaching it's always about um, you know the the nuggets or the knowledge that you can get you know or the things that nobody else knows or promoting you know being better than everyone else because of this knowledge that you have um, and that they're not their emphasis is not on the person Yeshua the Messiah the one who saves us in a relationship with him then you're following the wrong leader. Period. End of story. Right. I don't care what denomination you come from or that you're going to or Hebrew roots or Messianic or all this. If, if, if Yeshua isn't the main thing, you're in the wrong place. Period. Yeshua says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That's right. It's pretty powerful. And so I put here the reason that you don't want to follow leaders uh, that don't speak the truth, right? And that teach false doctrines because you don't want to end up in a ditch. <laughs> That's true. It just says what it is. All right, the parable about defilement completed. Wow. Who was it that asked Yeshua to declare about the parable? Can you imagine? Peter, right? So he comes to Jesus and says, what does this mean? And Jesus, I don't think, is very, I think he's a little frustrated. You know, Peter's kind of coming up out of the crowd here. You know, he walked on water. Yeah. He's asking him about this. Yeah, I know he is, but he's, I, think, I think Jesus gets frustrated. So I'm going to read Matthew 15, verses 16 through 20. There you go. And I know these are some pretty uh, incredible examples here. If you want to talk about defilement. Oh, yeah. So what's it all about? Well, and Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come, from, uh, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. He brings it full circle. So, just to be clear, Yeshua isn't talking about eating pork. No. Okay, I just wanted to just, I know that's a side note. Yeah. And we want to focus on the main Call thing. Call no man unclean. But this here is about washed hands So uh, actually defile somebody. So we have this. We have, uh, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Uh, Yeshua said earlier in Matthew fifteen ten, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man. 
but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Yeshua says in Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Yeah. Okay. And of course, we're building a, a case here. Yeshua states in Matthew 15, verses 19 and 20 once again, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now, what's really interesting is if you hang around people and listen to them, it's, it's very interesting. If you want to know the condition of your heart, all you have to do is listen to the words coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So I know with my wife and I, we, we can have a lot of frustration in our heart with our children at home. Yeah. <laughs> so when we speak, and it sounds frustrating, frustration has entered our heart. Instead of being calm, cool, and collective, or proactive instead of reactive, we can blurt out something or yell something or do something, you know. You're acting like a bunch of animals, you know. Um, <laughs> that's frustration out of the heart. I'd be like, hee-haw. Yeah, you would. <laughs> so there is a remedy here. You know, in Luke 6, 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. That's right. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. That's right. So it's just like if we're bashing people or bashing the church or bashing ministers, you know, that judgmental spirit yep. defiles our heart. Uh, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. Uh, we work hard to keep up our outward appearances, but what is deep down in our hearts where others can't see is more important to God. Here's the question. What are you like inside? Oof. So where are we at with our heart, with our congregation, with our staff, with our people, with our, our mates, our kids? Where is our heart? You know, there's another level to everything. And when I was reading this, what struck me was, I'm pretty good in general about not letting like things slip out of my mouth. You know, I would say that I've tamed the tongue pretty good, but my brain, mm-mm. I got all kinds of thoughts as far as being judgmental and things like that and saying things that aren't, aren't nice, you know, and that's, that's the heart, right? Because it's only, right. you know, it's not so far to go from the brain to the mouth. Right. Um, but it's, you know, that's it's like a well, right. That's pumped and it goes up from the heart into the brain and then out the mouth, you know? And I think that that's, what we need to remember. So why, why be judgmental? Why be that way? You know, it doesn't say anything about the heart, but it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, absolutely. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Yeah. I want the life. So whatever we speak comes towards us. That's right. So we want to speak life. We want to speak the promises of God, you know? So what do you like on the inside? So what two points can be learned from Matthew 15 verses one through 20, Ryan, what do you have for me? God's commands above man's traditions that God's commands are superior I like that he's his ways are higher than our ways that's good it is I would also like to say that uh, my second point and I got this one from Laisha McDonald that no one is too far gone because we were talking about the Pharisees you know and the idea that they really get a bad rap most likely when it comes to like, I don't think Jesus is necessarily part of a sect. He's like his own sect. Right. Right. But if he was a part of a sect, it would be the sect of the Pharisees. Right. 
is what they say from a ideological standpoint because he believes in the resurrection. Right. And obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and he proves it. Yeah, no doubt. Puts his money where his mouth and is. He does it for Lazarus. Yeah. So um I just I, I want to make like Nicodemus, right, is a Pharisee. The rich young ruler is most likely a Pharisee. Right. Um and you know the rich young ruler uh he comes to Jesus and says, you know, hey, how do I get eternal life? And he says, well, do, you know, all these commands. He just lists, you know, honor your father and mother, all this stuff, right? And uh, he says, well, Lord, I've done all that my whole life, obviously, you know. And um, and then he, he tells him, you know, okay, well, go sell everything you have, give it away to the poor and come follow me. And he leaves sad because he realizes that he has something above Jesus in that situation. Of course, that's a whole other lesson. But... I would say that Nicodemus and the rich young ruler were both good people um, with, with good hearts, but they were deceived by their status and where they were in life and, and thinking that that was more important than the main thing, you know? And we've all got to be willing to just look at others and see ourselves and have compassion on them rather than judgmental spirit, as you mentioned. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really <sighs> sneaky. It's, it's sneaky. It does. Creeps up I on. have, of course, number one, commandments are more important than traditions. Ah, there we go. I like that one. Yeah, and number two, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oof. That's right. So we asked the question, of course, in a follow-up. What are you speaking? Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's good stuff, man. You know, those are good lessons, and um, we can all learn those lessons. Let's uh, Let's pray. God, thank you. thank you so much. You know, we want our hearts to be clean. We don't want to be defiled. You know, in the Hebrew roots, we have all these things that we don't defile ourselves with, Lord, but we still all have to work on taming our tongues, getting our hearts aligned with you and our minds in the same way. And so, Lord, we just ask for forgiveness for our judgmental spirits, for looking at others instead of ourselves when it comes to making corrections. And so we just ask that you would help us in that area to be more like you, more like your son, to see others with compassion and love and receive your peace uh, and receive our commands from you through your word and through the Holy Spirit, that we would live by the spirit of the law, Father, day in and day out, that we would walk in the spirit and that we would know your truth and your spirit. God, we love you so much. We pray all of this in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right. So if you guys want to reach me or Pastor Nick, you can email at Ryan. That's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, twopraise.net. Um, yeah, this is a really good study. I say uh, you should go back and read it again and again and again. Um, next week is exciting, though. We're going to talk about the Canaanite woman, right? That's right. The Canaanite woman and how Yeshua says, I've not come but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this is going to be an exciting one. Uh, for those that want to jump into it. Uh, But before we can ever get there, we've got to get through verses 1 through 20. That's right. And make sure that we don't defile ourselves. Um, That's a good word. Amen. So bless you guys. Have a great week.